0: Welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any grand lodge statements or positions. Make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, send questions and comments to the Facebook event page or the chat running alongside this YouTube video. You may even appear on the show if we love your comment. And as always, if you can't catch us live, please catch us on the replays on Facebook and on YouTube alongside all the chats, or if you're an audio file in the podcast world on your favorite podcast app. Uh, You don't know me because I'm not John Ruark. I am Joe Martinez, and I am still Worshipful Master of Manasseh Lodge number 182. And the other half of my beautiful soul is jumping on right now, and that is Jason Richards.
1: Hey, everybody. Jason Richards, Past Master Vacation Lodge, number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, and glad to be here tonight. Damn glad to see you. Yeah. Rush Chairman, damn glad to meet you.
0: Damn glad to meet you. Yeah, and RJ will be cameoing in at some point. Yeah, so... Uh, lots, of, lots of holidays today. We've got, let's see, Passover started last night, right? And... uh Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday that's going on right now. Um, yeah. And then we've got a weekend of, of observances and holidays, which we're actually going to talk about tonight. Um, but before we do any of that, let me go find the actual place where I can say hello and thank you to all of our Patreons. want to thank all of our Patreons for all of their support, um, allowing us to get cool tech, And make sure Jason is handsome and healthy and doing all those wonderful things. Yes. Um, With your support and your contributions, we truly appreciate it. Uh, And as a a past Patreon, I want to say it totally works. So you were going to say?
1: I was going to say, I don't think the patrons are directly contributing to, like, the patrons contribute to my mental welfare. We'll put
0: it right but you know it's not like we're keeping me half you know, keeping healthy us... and... well yeah i mean but they're mental keeping health the show happy to... and healthy right right but keeping you happy and healthy is a part of that right so that's fair. you know even if it's not monetary it's love and warm feelings and you know just feelings coming at you those are great too so and everybody needs those you Totes. know Totes my goat, yes. And we're just rambling a bit, waiting for RJ to pop on. But uh, let's go ahead oh, this and... this is what uh, happens
1: when John leaves us.
0: I know. But we've had some fun shows he sure when he's not here. More of,
1: a, more of yeah. a windy approach. Yeah,
0: But it's okay. We like to wind. Yeah. But um, what's next on the agenda? Ooh, we
1: have the... Let's draw a tarot, card. tarot card. of the day. Yes.
0: And for the week. So is it of the week? Oh, I'll fix that next time.
1: Yeah, there we go. All right, so so tonight's deck is um, John's favorite. It is the Kabbalistic Tarot. Um, I actually have John's copy that he originally bought for himself. He he gifted it uh, to me over Christmas, which is awesome. And so here we go, doing a little shuffle, shuffle, and let's see what we have cool we have Ooh. we have yes the lovers good job. The lovers Censored. I
0: love that deck because it's got it's got astrological oh, yeah. sign on it and it's got the Kabbalistic path on it I love it
1: yep so the lovers is a card in the major arcana um It is a card that actually comes up in my natal chart. Um, So it factors very heavily into uh, my own personal astrological symbolism. Um, Really focuses on relationships and choice and kind of, you know, relationships, choice, but then also balance. So very. You know, I
0: get, I get temptations too. Like if it, you know, temptations of the heart, you know, things like that, things that can affect your relationships and stuff like that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So interesting, interesting card. Um, I'm trying Ooh. to, uh, Oh, we have yes. Robert.
0: We have a Robert. Let me uh, add him to the stream.
2: good evening we'd love to hear you but you're muted i know i know okay sorry yeah hey i love you guys sorry i'm late mild family crisis everything's good now though are we okay great yeah we're we're good good.
1: we're good we're good that was the card dude what deck is that this is the cabalistic tarot
2: that's friggin' slick and the highlights on that that, deck are nice we all have that yeah,
1: You don't have that deck. I, yeah, I it was a it was a Kickstarter find, wasn't it? Then no, I don't have it. That's dope. Yeah, like we'll fix that. yeah. So so the card of the week is the lovers, talking about relationships, um, trust, harmony, confidence, and strength. You know that that balance of yin and yang.
2: I love it yeah it's uh, I think the lover's card is really interesting because for me, it always seems to like it seems to tell me that it's okay to like blend things together that I'm working on, or uh, sometimes I think i'm going crazy because i'm hopping from project to project and i'm like i need to finish this one thing and sometimes i i think about that card and like kind of the intertwined nature of it and i go yeah maybe it's okay to just keep switching tasks and kind of bouncing around to what i'm interested in um you know that's not generally the meaning of the card but you know intuition whatever prevents boredom yeah the lovers certainly do i have four kids (laughs) to prove (laughs) it and john has five (laughs) i know we like yeah, to have was, kids
0: descending order of of madness. Yes, I,
2: I have, have three. One.
0: Oh, speaking of kids, yeah, I promised, uh, promised a promise to shout out to my oldest, my firstborn, Maribel, turned eighteen. So yay!
1: Oh, oh my gosh!
0: Get ready to pay taxes, young lady. Happy birthday, and Maribel.
1: Y- it's my wife's birthday as well. You know her Happy from birthday, virtually Carrie. all of the TMR and Esotericon artwork. Because all right, let's get that that's up her Happy that, 18th birthday,
0: Carrie. Because <laughs> we're not going to tell anybody how old you are.
1: That's what she we think. appreciates it. She, she and I are the same 29. age for a month. Oh, that's oh, awesome. That's perfect. like Corey and we I. We are the same age for a month. And then I become the old man again.
0: Yes, yeah. my wife has been 29 for a while.
2: That's awesome. Well, happy birthday, Kenneth.
0: Ooh, look, this is birthdays galore. Yeah, this is great. It's funny. We were, uh, we were having birthday cake, and uh, you know we're we're super nerdy family. And uh, happy birthday, man. Um, we're going on Wikipedia, and we're telling Maribel all the exciting historical things that happened on April 6th. And 90% of them were people being murdered, war, Or nuclear
2: detonations, and we're
0: like, I'm sensing a trend. Like, dude, like,
2: calm down. Yeah, she's like the incarnation of Shiva,
0: (laughs) the nasher of
2: worlds.
0: I am Shiva, destroyer of
2: worlds. (laughs) Yes, she's that's so cool though, and I'm so excited for the world that's going to open up for you, Maribel. Uh, you've been old enough uh, mature wise for a lot of awesome stuff that you're into and now you're allowed to just be like i'm going to go crazy i'm going to get into more masonry stuff and and more esoteric stuff and
1: yep look out okay. joe i can't oh, wait dude, to take uh, get joe his lewis jewel
0: <laughs> yes no we were talking about um Yeah, literally four hours after she turned 18, we were talking about tattoos. And she's like, well, I want it to be esoteric. And I'm like, oh, man, I love you. And uh, yeah, she's yours. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. we like her. We'll keep her.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so congrats also to you and to Barb for uh, making what was probably an amazing adventure. So you guys did awesome. It's
0: been a ride. Thank you, man. Thank you um yes so for people who know me y'all know maribel uh she is the cat's meow let me tell you all right so in light of all these festivities i think that's what we're talking about tonight right is this this is the season the time of the year where there's a butt ton of festivities going on and a lot of religious ones a lot of we got some pagan ones too um some observances Cultural
1: appropriation
0: it's called i think the nice word is cultural blending or yeah modernization. cultural yeah. blending or is, it, or is
1: it cultural or or religious appropriation both
0: well in a lot of places it's one and the same right
1: yeah it's kind
2: of it's kind of interesting because you live in cultures and i think this is what happens more broadly and it's probably more acceptable uh and that is Like, for today, for instance, as somebody who isn't what we would call a traditional Christian, uh, for myself, I often have some feelings about wanting to attend church sometimes. And I think to myself, I know I don't believe everything that happens there, but I like this sense of community and camaraderie that comes along with it. And in today's society it's a little bit like kind of reeled back. You're supposed to be, you know, true to your authentic self and and really uh, go with the flow of what you feel inside. And I think like maybe in the past, our cultures were much more freely in doing these kinds of things. And when they saw really cool uh, when they saw like a, a ritual or they saw a celebration that really spoke to them, they thought, hey, we could do that too. And it seems to be pretty just around the world accepted. And there was not a lot of um, this whole idea of like pagan stealing Christmas and or whatever the case might be. Those types of arguments. Flip that around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but. But this idea is kind of only an, an issue in the recent past, right? Like well, I think-
0: let, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. And, you know, let's start, let's go back a couple of thousand years. And, you know, I'm totally into tonight going into the history of everything. Right. And, but let's, let's go to the big, the big baddie in the room, right? The Roman empire, right? When they did what we now call cultural appropriation, it wasn't seen as a negative the way that to Robert's point, we look at today, right? They see something that is part of a subculture that they're trying to bring in and homogenize. So they're taking things and we're talking, you know, any holiday you want that ends up on the, the, you know, the traditional Roman Catholic calendar, there are aspects of subcultures that were brought in to make everyone feel like they belong part of the bigger whole. Right. So it wasn't a smash you over the head, you know, uh, All of a sudden, Easter Bunny is a symbol of Easter and Jesus, you know, and the two mixed up and, you know, you were beaten over the head with it. It was it was done for a very uh, purposeful reason, you know, to bring things in that people were already accustomed to the Christmas tree, you know, and make people feel welcome in this new larger culture that they may or may not have had a choice in becoming a part of. Right. Which it's most yeah. likely the latter. Right. They didn't have a say in the matter, but, you know, it was it was kind the of, t- ease of
1: the ease the conversion process. Right. Hey, Agreed. hey, hey, you all have these major festivals that are a big part of your religion and culture. We have these two actually share some of the same things. So. Come on in.
0: Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's what's interesting is the big three that we're going to touch on. And I I grabbed notes on a whole bunch of extra ones. um, And I even found some weird stuff that Mackie said, too, for tonight. Um, But they all kind of bleed into each other. Right. I think the first big one that we can talk about that has direct correlation for, for this evening is Passover right? So, you know, this is ends, you know, Passover actually ends, you know, ended when the sun went down, what, an hour ago? Um, It started last sundown, yesterday. Um, But that's, again, we've got a whole lot of synergies going on in a lot of major faith systems around this evening. Um, And I find it super interesting.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about Passover. What is Passover?
0: What's Passover?
2: It's kind of a I mean, the actual event is mortifying. <laughs> I mean, That's most of Exodus
1: and Genesis, but yes, yeah, sure, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the most
1: of the Old Testament.
2: I'm I'm hoping to avoid the 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 w- wild weird parts with the the parts of the celebration right of Passover. So, uh, Passover referring to the homes
1: that uh, would be passed over by the wrath. So this goes back to this goes back to the Egyptian captivity of the Jewish people. Um, they were slaves for many many years. This is where Moses comes in as God's anointed to bring his people out of Egypt. God. Um, hardens pharaoh's heart a number of times and so you have a number of distinct plagues ending in the angel of death coming to um kill the firstborn son of every household in in egypt um and so the israelites were um charged with uh, painting lamb's blood on their door frames uh, and in sign that uh, you know the the angel of death would pass them over Passover and this was this was the plague that ended up um, essentially convincing the Pharaoh to relinquish control over the Israelites
0: right on Right on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the feast that they now you, normally this sounds like something you would not celebrate with food and merriment and things like that. But um, to commemorate that, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, um, they have a, a feast or a dinner or a meal, a Passover meal, uh, normally called a Seder. And and I've been to Seders before. Have you guys ever been to a Seder? Yeah, um, I, I actually it was, it was. They're awesome. I went-
1: they're, They're really, fun. really
2: cool. Uh, My wife recalled an instance um, at her Lutheran church as a, as a kid going to uh, like Sunday school and things. They had a kind of a Seder meal where they were, excuse me, where they were dipping uh, some kind of bitter herbs in salt water that they said um, represented, you know, the tears and things, which was pretty interesting because, uh, you know, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church and. Uh, then later on, on into the Lutheran doctrine. So basically I was like, Hey, you got to stay within the lines. And then, you know, going to Lutheran school, they were like, there are no lines. Well, <laughs> super interesting
0: <you laughs> Catholicism. Yeah. Right. I, I went to Catholic school, you know, from ki- kindergarten until I was older. And at our Catholic school, we actually had Jewish people come on Monday, Thursday, and we would actually have a Seder feast on Thursday. Um, because that was, you know, for, for, you know, young, you know, under 10-year-old Catholic kids, that was, we were celebrating the same thing that Jesus did on that night. They were celebrating the Passover feast, right? But we'll get to that in a little right. bit. But yeah, it's, um, you know, some of the big telltale signs are our favorite thing to eat, matzo bread, right? Um, or unleavened bread. Uh, and there's actually a story behind this. Like the the people who were preparing to leave Egypt in such haste because you know, they knew at any moment they could be freed and all the firstborn of Egypt were killed and they knew they had to get out of there. They were making bread and they didn't have time to wait for it to rise. Yep. So that's why you traditionally celebrate the Seder with unleavened bread or matzah. Yup. Yup. So yeah, that's the Passover Seder. Yeah.
2: You know, I think as a, as a kid, I'm the first time I heard the word Seder, I was thinking about mythical beasts. So, if, <laughs> if you're out there and you're thinking the same thing, no, we're talking about a meal. It is not a, a half-blood beast. So, correct. Go back to your Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we'll throw. Up, we'll throw up a banner here.
0: <laughs> Hashtag Sater. That's <There> <laughs> no. how you spell it. Yeah. Boom. Right
1: on. Yeah, Anything another another thing so what I remember most about the Seder dinner that I had actually when when I was a teenager, um, is they often have a bowl of horseradish. Pure pureed Seder. horseradish. Mm. And I remember that being unpleasant.
2: You remember that being the one time you were able to breathe through your nose unobstructed?
1: Yes. Yeah, that was before I got the nose surgery to fix the nose too.
2: Yeah. So crazy, right? I mean, um, some of these, some of these traditional foods eaten in uh, their most wonderful form in in like their most basic way, people might say, "Well, why would you do that?" And it's kind of to celebrate this idea of it's originality in exactly what it is. And you're trying something in it's pure form and things. And uh, yeah, horseradish is one of those things. <laughs> so uh, like whether you're into spicy food or not, I think uh, horseradish is probably one of my favorite things about uh, the Passover meals that I've been to. I've been to some where there are contests, so it's been kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs>
0: nice but i think it was the same thing as uh what your wife was talking about so the the bitter bitter super bitter horseradish symbolizes that that bitterness of being in captivity or slavery um so that's why they keep that on the table as well yeah yay passover right on anything else before we move on to the if we're going chronologically the next one what what is
2: the next one chronologically
0: well, I would say that if we're starting with Passover, we're starting with, with uh, Hebrew culture, um, there were 13 Hebrew dudes who celebrated the Passover um, a little bit more recently than Moses did, uh, and that would be uh, Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday. So that's uh, celebrated normally this evening, uh, and it is the Passover feast of Jesus and his 12 disciples. Um, where they celebrated Passover. It was nothing different than what we were just talking about that happened, you know, a thousand years earlier. Um, it was matzah and it was probably horseradish and the smelly stuff that Robert's wife was talking about. Um, it was all those things and wine, um, definitely wine. And uh, yeah, but the the feast that Christians celebrate is a Passover feast.
2: It's It's a really kind of, Strange thing. I mean, anybody who dives into thinking about religions in any kind of way, they see these differentiating factors in each sort of grouping or umbrella of religions. And when we do this kind of research for these kinds of shows, we often see uh, these, I don't know what you want to call them. Their linkages between them that are so clear um, and one might not always think that um, these things have a connection, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm Roman Catholic. Oh, I'm Jewish, or I'm um, a Muslim faith, or whatever the case might be. But the, there's this really in, in those particular faiths, there is this really interesting thread where um, they they lift and kind of shift and 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 use some of those same things as Jason was talking about an appropriation of a sorts, but not really because uh, uh, as we all know, Jesus was Jewish. So he, it makes sense that he would have celebrated things like the Passover meal. Um, but is the, uh, somebody wants, uh, you know what? I'll go down that road later. So anyway, continue on. Sorry.
0: <laughs> well, now I want to hear your point, but uh, yeah, no, it's uh yeah, there's really not a lot extra to throw at it. Um, now, you know, Christian, our, our Christian brothers and sisters, they understand that that Passover feast then gets converted into a celebration of remembrance that people now practice on Sundays, right? When they go to church, right? So it's kind of that lift and shift from, you know, now you're celebrating the Passover meal um, mm. once a week or once a month, you know, depending what your denomination is. So um, there, there is a little bit of a lift and shift there. And so your typical everyday Christian doesn't, normally equate communion to the Passover the Eucharist the Eucharist yeah. yeah
2: so I guess the the point I was going to make is that I think a lot of people are probably familiar with it, and a lot of Masons are probably really familiar with it too, because of the works of Dan Brown. Um, but the whole ideology of uh, the the lost bloodline of Jesus being depicted in the Last Supper. So the last Supper is is the is that Monday Thursday meal supposed to be. Um so if you ever you know were curious the last supper painting by uh the man himself uh is is the la- is a, a Seder meal that's depicted.
1: Why do a lot of denominations use a cracker as uh, the wafer like it could be a tie into the unleavened bread. Oh, yeah, not the totally. methodist though we have king's hawaiian <laughs> well, and like barbecue and spectacular <laughs> what's In with Hawaii the, uh, the Welch's. Uh,
0: yeah i mean i grew up catholic so you know the, the the wafer of flavorlessness um you know i had that for many many a decade
2: um we used to joke so on the way home from uh easter services um obviously we had some candy and things and my uncle used to always be like, he would like, I'd be in the back seat and he'd turn around from the back from the front seat and he'd pull out a friggin' Necco wafer and be like, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Necco wafers, communion in the car. Uh, those <laughs> like, Don't buy your
1: kids Necco wafers. Jeez Louise. Did you get a Capri Sun juice box with that?
2: No, man. I had like uh, probably Ecto Cooler. That's, that's probably more of my jam. There
0: you go. You're bougie, man. You're bougie. I, I never I had grape, just grape, had, regular <laughs> grape, grape quarter water,
2: and purple. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So then this leads into Easter, right? The traditional Easter, the the big holiday that. Uh, you know, all of these third rate candy companies like Russell start cha-ching! just getting Russell's delicious sponsored by Russell. Not sponsored by Russell. All right. right. Fine. Yes.
0: <laughs> Always looking for new sponsorships though. So yeah.
2: Yeah. Russell, yeah, where are you at? at?
0: <laughs> but yeah. So, I mean, it's, and it's interesting, especially when you're, when you're young and you grow up, Christian, and I I can't speak for everybody, I can only speak for myself and those I know, you always think that Christmas is the big Christian holiday, right? Everything gravitates towards Santa Claus time. But in fact, that is so not true. You know, the big high holy day for those of the Christian faith is Easter, not Christmas. So if your kids are listening, make sure they hear that. Okay, Easter's the big one. Christmas is generally more fun. Christmas is the fun one. But yeah, Easter. So yeah. Why is it called Easter?
2: Well, according to Facebook memes, it's because Ishtar. Oh. But we know that's not true. Uh, Well, if it's on Facebook, then it must be true. There's so okay, so can we talk about that for a minute? Wait. Like okay, so there's this whole thing John's not here
1: to stop us.
2: I know. (laughs) There's this whole thing where these memes come out, right? And they like, oh, they talk about the pagan appropriation of certain things. And of course, this does happen. We we know this happens, but there's this one really that's kind of egregious and it, it claims like Ishtar, this goddess, this Mesopotamian, uh, Mesopotamian goddess, um, wh- Her it is uh, the goddess of fertility and the goddess of uh, springtime and renewal and things. And this is where uh, Christians get, Easter from, and they make the correlation based on the name and based on um, these kind of similar traits about the idea of renewal and regeneration. And, you know, in fact, when one does the research, uh, you dive in and you get rid of all your biases and you kind of look at things like head on, Bart Ehrman style, perhaps uh, you can look at the, the arguments and you go, wow, wow, I guess I guess there's commonalities between these two ideas, but it is definitely not Easter coming from Ishtar. In fact, the thing that ties them together more than any name is kind of the idea of renewal of seasons and the equinox and these kinds of, of elements. And I think... Um, in particular, under the umbrella of Freemasonry, under the tangential sideness of you know uh, esoteric thoughts and how we look at the esoteric and we go, "Wow, that's really cool and then we dig deeper and we learn about procession and we learn about uh, seasonal renewal and we learn about rituals that celebrate things like, the renewal of seasons and all of these things, it starts to get clearer um, perhaps why some of these holidays that represent these ideas of renewal and rebirth and flowers birthing and the eggs and all of this stuff, why they are together. Uh, and I think one of the, the really interesting ones certainly goes back to some of the uh, the Greek mystery plays Um, and so that's my soft pass to Joe.
0: Yeah, no, right on. I, well, let's go back to the whole name thing, because like you said, it's, it's every time I see the Ishtar thing, I I lose it internally. And, uh, and I decide not to type on my keyboard because it's not worth it. But, um, you know, if you actually do scholarly work into it, it's pretty easy to find out where we get the term Easter from. Uh, and it actually comes from a seventh century, uh, British saint. Uh, So it's uh, St. Betty or Beattie, um, who was a monk in the English Isles. And it was an old English, um, what's a good way to say it? Um, Goddess, I guess, who was named Yostre. Yostre or Yastare. not Ishtar, had nothing to do with Ishtar. And uh, worshiping or uh, giving gifts to this goddess marked the beginning of spring in that part of the world. And they started to call, you know, when Christianity came to the British Isles, they started to also celebrate, welcome back, sir. They also started to celebrate, um, you know, the traditional Passover and resurrection of Jesus scenario there that we now call Easter. Um, But they were synonymous for a time. Again, that cultural appropriation, um, which wasn't a bad thing back then. You know, they brought those people into the fold And we got to remember, too, is that Easter is only called Easter in the English-speaking world. Um, If you go to any of the Romance languages, it's called Pasqua or Pasca, um, which means Passover. Um, So, you know, our Easter celebrations are known as Passover in South America, in Romance-speaking Europe, in Greece, things like that. Um, So, again, it's that the English is the only way where it's a little bit fuzzy. But, you know, now traditionally it's been known as, for us who speak English, as as Easter.
2: Well, that's interesting, too, because that, that kind of, it ties into the whole linguistic idea of something we covered in the past, right? When we talked about the letter G within the compass and the letter G in Freemasonry, and we're like, well, sure, it has these certain allusions that we flat out say within the, the degrees and the second degree and the third degree, but those words only start with G in our English-speaking, uh, you know, areas. So, Bazinga. Yeah, so this is uh, exactly. this is right on with that same point. And, you know, Easter is Easter, but it, it's only Easter here. You know, it's kind of like uh, the other day. I think I was watching uh, one of Jason's favorite shows, uh, John Oliver. Uh, was it last week tonight? I think it's called. Eh.
1: <laughs> it's not. It's not one of my favorite shows, like to review, right, right. But it's. It's generally speaking, really good and very well researched.
2: It's very researched. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. And so I was watching it, and they had this uh segment where there was a woman who was rapping in French, and the translation, of course, doesn't rhyme, right? Because it only rhymes in French. And so it's this whole idea of just linguistics and playing with words which is fascinating in and of itself, but we can you know, talk about that stuff for days, probably on other episodes, but it's just interesting here uh, with Easter. And I never even thought about that. The idea that you've got in all these Latin countries, you know, it starts with a totally different letter.
0: For our Spanish speakers, uh, when my mom calls me on Easter Sunday, she says, Feliz Pascua. Um, she does not say happy Easter so um what is Pasquale it's an Italian name as far as I know
2: yeah so I wonder if it's you know kind of has the same connotation Mm -hmm. or uh, a root structure anyway here nor there sorry didn't mean to derail
0: (laughs) no worries now you got me curious about that but uh, you actually dovetail really nicely we can talk about uh Uh, we can start delving into our, our Muslim brothers and sisters, but, uh, and I think a good way to segue into that is Easter and Passover and what we're about to talk about in a second, uh, the Holy month of Ramadan, they're never the same date every year. They're always different. It changes, right? Easter is never the same day. Passover is not the same day. It changes from year to year. And Ramadan is a great example of that. Um, why is that? Does anybody know? Jason didn't come off me. Well, I'll ruin the surprise. So all of these uh, observances are based around a lunar calendar, not our solar 365 day year calendar. So Ramadan and Passover and Easter and all the days associated with Easter, Lent and you know Ash Wednesday and um, Good Friday and Monday Thursday, they're all based around a lunar calendar which changes. I think it's the lunar calendar that the that the Jewish people use, I think it's a 345 day calendar If somebody knows throw it up in the, in the comment, but it's a different amount of days where they actually have to add months to make everything work out. So moon cycle. Yeah, absolutely. So everything is based around, um, the different phases of the moon. And that's how we choose the dates for these particular holidays. So, so, um, and I guess that, that dovetails really nicely into
1: Ramadan. 354 um, days. 354. There you go. 11 days fewer than a solar year. Well, there you go.
0: Well, it's definitely going to make it different. But um, like I said, and I'll pull that up. So back in the day when... Um, uh, the ancient Jews still had, you know, the Sanhedrin and st- things like that. They would decide what day was what day because they were in charge and they were the bosses and all that kind of thing. But, you know, after their power kind of faded, after, um, the Roman empire started to uh, run through and tell people how to do things. They stopped using a a Sanhedrin based calendar. So they established a a rabbinical calendar basically, and they plotted out. They were great astronomers, just like people are today. And just like we've talked about on other shows, the ancients were really good at astronomy. So they could predict things like moon phases for years and years out. So they would build calendars that would go out seven, 10, 14, 20 years, um, and be able to know when these these observances should be held. So, and and Ramadan is no different.
2: So, what's Ramadan? You know, it's Ramadan. No, it's an entire month dedicated to following more closely the teachings of Islam. So, uh, I think most. Most people probably who are not Muslim but might have a Muslim friend or an acquaintance probably most closely associates it to the fasting that goes on. And it's not just a fasting of food. Uh, This fasting is incredibly comprehensive. Uh, You are fasting in just about anything that might bring the human body, any kind of comfort or pleasure at a, at a whim, right? So whether that's food or sex, um, all kinds of fasting that happens with this and it's from sun up to sundown for the whole month. Um, and I think this is probably the one thing that is, you know, most, most known about Ramadan. Um, I know there is um I, I know there is a loose connection that I seem to remember to Yom Kippur in some in some respect that relates to the dates of things. But in any case um,
0: So, yeah, no, it's, well, so why, why do they celebrate a entire month long? I guess celebrates a bad word, right? Why do they observe a month of serious reflection, serious prayer, um, fasting as you talk about it? So what Ramadan actually, for those who don't know what it commemorates is the first time that Allah or God revealed himself to the prophet Muhammad. And when the first words of the Quran were told to Muhammad. Okay. So that is, and it's observing Ramadan is one of the five pillars. You know, we love pillars in Masonry. One of the five pillars of Islam It's something you have to do right as a, a Muslim living in the world. That's one of the must do things that you have to do. And one of them is uh, observing the month of Ramadan.
2: Something that I really like about uh, the practice of Ramadan that I have witnessed whether that, you know, was when I was in California or here in the Chicagoland area is really the focus and strength on community um, that the, you know, Muslim organizations around here anyway, seem to, not seem to, like that they do. Um, There are a number of organizations that drive community events um, aimed at just bringing the community closer, no matter what the faith is, which is really, really awesome. Um, I've never seen, I mean, um, there's a local uh, organization that is set up maybe, I don't even know, maybe a mile from my house. And um, several times a year they're out uh, grilling at, you know, veteran homes um, or, or doing just amazing works in the community and bringing people together. And I, I think about that in terms of Freemasonry often and I think man if we could just get our stuff together <laughs> maybe maybe we could be as successful at bridging the gaps in our communities as uh, some of our Muslim brothers and sisters have done.
0: Yeah, spot on. I mean for for me I mean I've known lots of lots of Muslim people in my life and uh, to your point exactly. You always people always focus on the fasting, right? You know, especially I had Muslim co-workers for years and it's like, "Oh, I can't go to lunch. It's Ramadan," you know. Um but, you know, the things that I've noticed, especially those community building ones that I've seen, I've even seen some churches do it is um, I've seen churches in my area celebrate iftar, which is the breaking of the fast. Right. So once fasting is over for the day from, you know, from sun up to sundown, you're fasting. But once sundown has occurred, you're allowed to break that fast with a feast uh, known as iftar. And I've seen even some churches in my area have iftar feasts for folks, you know, after they've broken the fast, they can come and break bread and celebrate. And uh, yeah, that's kind of awesome. But um, I, I think to your point, I, I like the the synergies you're making with Freemasonry because God, I wish we worked half as hard, right? Like you work and study and reflect and do all that stuff. And then, and then you break bread with people that you love, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, whereas most of what you get is you know, the kind of going through the motions and then let's cut up some hot dogs and put it in spaghetti and call it a day. You know, that's that's masonry, people. So, yeah.
2: Oh, my God. I don't think I've ever seen anybody cut up hot dogs and put them in spaghetti. Maybe other than Chef R D. Mm. We
1: used to do hot dogs with mac and cheese. I've
2: seen that.
0: Oh, I've n- I've never had that.
2: That's a white people thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's we did, I didn't grow up with that.
1: We call those delicacies. <laughs> <laughs> watch That's out, nice. man! It's a little too spicy. You better put some raisins and mayo in there.
2: Oh man!
1: Hey, it's like putting yeah. potato salad in gumbo. Like you gotta oh, have your hot dogs we'll in your. Bag
2: Dude, I am not gonna get on this train. Uh, gumbo <laughs> does not have potato salad in it. Sorry. I concur
0: but yes. So anyway, so yeah. So, um, Ramadan. Very awesome. So we talked about the big faiths. Uh, there are tons of other, uh, faith systems or, uh, cultures that celebrate this really important time that kind of revolves around the equinox, right? The spring equinox. Um, so we're talking about, and I think the spring equinox this year was what? March 20th, March 21st. Um, but if you're a Mason, you've heard the term equinox before, maybe in a lecture and nowhere else. Or if you've heard John Ruark talk, he loves to talk about the equinoxes and the solstices. Um, but yeah, a lot of symbolism there. You know, The equinox and the coming of spring talks to us about that time of the year where you get the equal amounts of daytime and nighttime. Right? It's when you're at your, your equal, your balance, your point within a circle. That was like 25 Masonic symbols just thrown at you So write them all down. Boom.
2: Yeah. I think one of the, so I, I did, <laughs> I did a stupid Facebook quiz once and uh, it was like, what religion are you? Right. It wasn't what potato are you? Uh, by the way, when I did that one, it was Al Groton.
0: Ooh. Uh, just, I'm just I, saying I'm I had them for dinner, man. man. I had them for so...
2: dinner. Uh, But when I did What Religion Are You, I came out and they said I was most closely aligned to Zoroastrianism. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I wonder why that is. And so, you know, I go and buy a book on Zoroastrianism. And there is kind of a a holiday in Zoroastrianism as well that goes right along with the equinox. And that's uh, Nauru's, which is, uh, it's like New Day. It's a springtime holiday that's celebrated. Uh, And that's pretty cool. I don't know. I just, I just find it really interesting that our religions from the far, the far East and the middle East have given so much thought um, to this time of year. And then you have to think, isn't any wonder, right? Um, Our mathematics and, and celestial systems that we use today are so much um, influenced by uh, the middle East and Persian cultures. Mm -hmm uh the, it's it's quite astounding really when we think about it
0: uh, and a g- great example i mean noru's is still celebrated in parts of asia today right it's uh spring cleaning and celebrations and bonfires and you're just excited about you know the turning of the season so um but yeah that's a holiday that's been around for thousands of years um but again they don't have to all be overtly religious, right? We've got things like water festivals in Thailand where, you know, it has to do with the equinox. It's basically, you have water fights out in the street celebrating the coming of spring. Um, That sounds like fun. Uh, Or you have the, uh, (laughs) um, on the other side of the world, you go to Mexico and you go to Teotihuacan and people gather at the pyramids there and celebrate the coming of spring and warmer days in the sun. And again, we have you know, something that I totally need to add to my bucket list is, uh, the sunrise ceremonies at Stonehenge. Um, I mean, that is just Uber, you know, most of the people that go there probably not traditional pagans anymore, right? They're just there for, cause it's awesome. It's Stonehenge, it's sunrise, it's aligned perfectly to see the sunrise on those two days. Um, but yeah, you definitely have some pagans mixed in and, and around, you know, but,
2: uh, yeah. Is the equinox the same day in Teotihuacan where the shadow casts the dragon coming down? I don't know. So one of the pyramids, gosh, man, I've watched enough ancient aliens. I really should know this. Um, (laughs) Where the dragon is either coming down or ascending. I can't remember. Um, But it is such a really cool thing that, I mean, this time of year, what it inspires people to do. Um is just amazing to build an entire structure that exhibits a sort of delight for your eyeballs uh, based on the time of year and what's happening. And they've actually created uh, an actual literal sort of illusion, to happen for all eternity, really. I mean, not for eternity, because in billions of years things will shift a little bit. But for us, and and for thousands of years in the past and forward, you know, this will continue to be something that is able to be witnessed, uh, and it's just so incredible. We see this sort of alignment when we look in Scotland. We look, we see it in uh, in the English Isles where we've they've built you know mounded tombs that you know shine. Uh, light on the equinoxes directly down the shaft of the uh, tombs or uh, even at what i'm told even in egypt in the uh, uh, i want to say oh my gosh uh, i'm gonna die here i can't remember okay so the descent of the serpent uh, so it's, okay it's here we go
0: Itza, right so it's the mayans yeah absolutely and uh, so yeah if you go down here it talks about on the equinoxes Right. You have that effect of Kuku Khan, you know, the serpent god descending down the pyramid.
2: If you all want to hear an episode on Kuku Khan, please send us an email. Literally, it's been on our backlog forever, but we've been kind of thinking about not doing okay. it or doing it. So I'm just saying it. I'm throw it out there.
0: <laughs> Somebody comment and we'll do it. We'll add, yeah, it, to yeah, the, yeah, yeah. add it to the rotation.
2: But Yeah. But there's just so much ancient architecture in the world that celebrates, whether it's the, we see all of the holidays, really. Uh, these these solar monuments and lunar monuments, they, they're usually designed in such a way that they celebrate and mark pivotal points during the solar year. Whether that's the equinoxes or the solstices, it's there. And these things really sort of... Speak to people even today. I mean, my kids sit in the driveway with the tailgate down, dreaming of the summer in the springtime when it hits. And they lay there, and they're in their their they're in their sweaters or whatever, and they're laying up and they're they're looking up at the sky, wishing it was not as light polluted as it was. You know, smashing Mountain Dews, thinking. Oh my gosh, I can't wait till it gets warmer and the new thing, you know, the new year starts for for, for us to go outside and to do new things and to like come together as a community again, friends all over the neighborhood. Like it's, it really is this sort of magical time of year that gets you kind of pumped and ready for what's going to happen and the new things. And I don't know, it's just a really cool time of year, I think. Uh, Maybe it's just me being nostalgic about stuff, but.
0: Well, if if you're being nostalgic, you're, I mean, you're throwing in about 10,000 years worth of nostalgia into your (laughs) comments, right? Because people have had the same feelings that you do going back to the beginnings of civilization, right? Or even before, right? We've always marked these days as important days, whether it was traditionally religious or if it was cultural or what have you, they're all important, right? And it's stuff that goes from corner to corner of the globe, right? There's no place where it, it doesn't touch. So, you know, I think you're, you're, when you brought up Khan and Chichen Itza, I'm like, man, that's awesome, right? Because this is a way long time ago, has nothing to do with anything we're talking about in Europe and and the Near East and things like that. But again, they're really important days that they mark so much that on that specific date, you will see a damn snake going down a pyramid um, for, for the next few thousand years, right? Until we move in the in the celestial addresses that we have you know until our zip code changes but but yeah so yeah i think we covered them all right
2: so yeah I mean, for the um, most part i mean the only thing we really didn't cover i guess would be some of the interesting traditions that we have i guess on the the Easter side that are not necessarily religious, right? Like just the observance of spring and the Easter bunny and these kinds of eggs, things, but chocolate. Yeah. Eggs oh. and, and chocolate, but I think you can, you can really just extract this idea that these are a celebration of, yeah, springtime and renewal. And it's evident, right? Like what's on sale. What's on sale at your local drugstore, right? It's like bubbles and sidewalk chalk. It's like the time of year when we're telling our kids, "Hey, you guys, go get the sunshine. It's waiting yeah, for
1: you. Play outside. Get, out. get that vitamin get out D
2: of my house.
1: <laughs> get out of my house." <laughs>
0: Correct.
2: Yeah. So it's it's a it's a great time of year, um, and it just kind of marks that that point where we go, "Oh my God, we made it. We made it." <laughs> You know, maybe this is the time of year where the Christmas tree comes down finally because uh we're seeing the renewal come back outside. Um, but we leave ours up all year. So
1: the sun has uh, and, birthed and- anew. We're not going to die on a frozen desolate rock this year.
2: Right on that's that's the quote of the episode right there. If there was a major lesson, that's it,
1: Jason.
2: <laughs> that, I mean, well, that's the entire Jay.
1: reason for the season, right? We're not going to die on a renewal. <laughs> we made it. We're not we going to die this time around. Yeah, maybe exactly. Next time.
0: Right on. Um, well, this is awesome. This is great. Uh, I think we covered everything, and um, I don't have a last question for y'all um, because I'm not as witty or as wonderful
2: as John is. So I will um, give you a last question. Ooh, what was the best? and worst Easter candy you ever got? Who? Oh.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Alright, so definitely... So, growing up we weren't the most well-off people in the world, okay? Um, but we definitely got Easter baskets Ooh. as a kid. And we got like the... what's a good way to say this? We didn't get the super awesome chocolatey Easter baskets. We got the ones with like sweet tarts in them and bottle caps and basically crappy candy that you wanted to eat during Easter. Right. It was like leftover from some other crappy holiday. Um, But yeah, it was like sweet tarts and yeah, it was something right. But it went into the, yeah, not a lick of chocolate in them, man, not even a bunny, nothing. So um, yeah, we make sure that we give all our kids oodles of chocolate so much so that I can have some, when they're chocolate out. So, yeah, that's all that my whole answer wrapped into one.
2: All right. What about you, Jason? Best and worst. For
1: me, probably best was when I lived in Germany as a kid and we got uh, kinder over eggs. You know, when they were still illegal in the U S due to the, the toys inside of them and, um, and Reese's are always, you know, an amazing, um, an amazing Easter play. I maybe I, you know, maybe my parents took Easter, you know, quite seriously, but I think, you know, probably the worst Easter candy was like getting those big like hollow bunnies made of chocolate. And I'm just like, uh, it, it's just too much. They're like, oh, like, my goodness, this thing is huge. Well, and you bite did, into it. Did. It's like, oh, it's yeah. it's air. And it's hollow. And it's melting. and Right. And it doesn't
0: matter how hollow. It is. My kids will still only get to the ears. And then they're done. You know, it just sits there. For Our them. kids
2: eat the whole thing. And yeah. last year, we left them in the car too long. And they, like, flattened.
0: <laughs> we still
2: gave it to them. Uh my favorite uh candy, I think, growing up in uh as a kid was, was I liked Kinder eggs too, but mine had quaaludes inside, so that oh. was a little different. Um no I, I I really don't like the sweet tarts and stuff. I used to get that as a kid and that was like the worst. Bummer. Um my favorite is still just getting stupid Reese Reese's eggs because they're just egregious. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're terrible for you. <laughs>
1: they're so good. but so so good, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they go. My wife's coffee, favorite.
1: My wife's favorite candy is the Robin's eggs. They're like M Ms on steroids.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those I are just good. bought those. They got that like matte, gritty finish. Yep. Yeah, I like that Green. too. Those yeah. are good.
0: All right, now I'm hungry. Um, All right. Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for coming on. Uh, We love y'all, and uh, we'll see you next week, and keep searching for more money.